Well, hey there, and welcome to the Emergence Community Leaders Podcast, the podcast dedicated to diving deeper into the themes and topics we study each week as we gather together to worship Jesus. Our hope is that this will serve to further equip our church with more insight, context, and background into the weekly sermons and help the proclamation of God's Word on Sunday turn into the application of God's Word in our daily lives and ultimately ending up in the transformation of people in our local communities. Thanks for joining us here today, and let's get started as we dive into this week's discussion. All right. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Leaders Podcast. We are in week eight of our study through the book of Joshua. Good afternoon, Doug. How are you doing? Howdy. Yeah, uh, doing all right. How about you? Doing well, man. Thanks. All full of uh, some breaded chicken. Feeling good. Yeah, there's a new spot. Do you want to plug the new spot? New spot, man. Uh, not yet. Not that comfortable. I got a buddy of mine, though, that just opened up a chicken spot in Rockaway. And just try to, it was some of the best chicken I've ever had in my life, actually. That was real. honestly, that was, that was good chicken. I'm impressed. Chicken and waffles, actually. But uh, yeah, I'm a little too full though. All right, Doug. So we are jumping into week eight of Joshua. And in full disclosure, I had a massive issue with my computer yesterday after services and it completely bricked on me. I had to factory reset my computer. So this is the first time I'm actually like really going through these questions. So just full disclosure, I'm, I'm learning along with you guys as we listen to this podcast. This study so, guide is full, is full Doug. Yeah. Full Doug, man. Thanks for doing the heavy lifting. Appreciate <laughs> it. You're the man. We'll see how many typos are in there. Yeah. Hopefully there's no heresy in here either. You know, you That's right. always, always full of the, always full of the heresy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, let's dive into this thing. So we've got our typical getting started question. Actually, you know what? Let's do some housekeeping real quick because this past week we sent out an email. Obviously there's new guidelines that have been put into place. Uh, essentially long story short, if your community group is meeting and you have in, in person and you have 10 people or more, um, you should come up with a creative way of not doing that. So whether that means going, you know, to a hybrid kind of scenario where some people are video conferencing in or to splitting up the group, uh, having multiple, you know, multiple leaders in different rooms or something like that. Or uh, I've seen some groups are rotating a group and B group or a week and B, B week, some stuff like that, as well as hybrid or just going back to, to virtual. I know a lot of groups are doing that. I know it stinks. My group's in kind of the same spot. You know, we're actually at 10. We have exactly 10 people in our group right now. Um, but we are thinking um, that we might end up going virtual again, but we'll figure that out tonight. But in any case, if you guys have any questions about that, feel free to reach out to your community coordinator or uh, you can send us an email. You can send me an email if you'd like as well. I'm happy to chat with you guys. Um, cool. So let's dive into this. Getting started section. Yay. And then we're going to get into, we got a lot of scripture this week, man. That's right. Lots of scripture. That's how we like it here. So we're mainly focused on Joshua chapters 13 through 19. We didn't read all of them uh, in the sermon this week. We probably won't read it in our community group uh, entirely because that's a lot of scripture, but you should read that ahead of time and encourage your group to do the same. So at first, uh, we're going to jump into our first section here called Rethinking Success. And we're going to ask somebody to read uh, two different verses, Joshua 11, 15, and then Joshua chapter 13, verse 11. Doug, you want to read those for us? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as I flip, so Joshua eleven fifteen. So this was this one was actually from last week's sermon, but uh, mm -hmm. it's kind of like the two side by side. Um, just as the Lord had commanded Moses, uh, his servant, so Moses commanded Joshua, and so Joshua did. 
he left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. Okay, and then you skip forward just pretty much one page uh, to Joshua 13, 11. Um, no, 13, 11. Nope. Uh, do I have the wrong verse? There we go. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, we did get five before we 13, get that. 13, huh? 1. What an idiot I am. 13, 1. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I guess my, my, uh, my number finger was a little trigger happy there. <laughs> um, now Joshua was old and advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, you are old and advanced in years, and there yet remains very much land to possess. Okay, so the question is, uh, how how do those fit alongside each other? Right. So Joshua's left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded, and yet there remains very much land to possess. Sure. So we've kind of have these two things kind of juxtaposed together. And then, Doug, you're pointing us to Joshua 1 as well, right? Verses 7 mm-hmm. and 9. Yeah. So those so, read, you want me to read them? Go for it, yeah. They say, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all that the, all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. This is the Lord speaking. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. That was the first verse I ever memorized in scripture, by the way. And verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple questions here for us that you're asking, Doug. Number one, according to this passage, what is Joshua's true mission and how does it affect our understanding of Joshua's success in chapter 11, verse 15? Mm-hmm. Cool. Like yeah. Question. Yeah. So, um, get like, so there, um, and there we have a little leader's note under that for you. Okay. And so, um, Steve noted that a very literal way to translate Joshua 1.15 is that actually Joshua did not turn aside from all that the Lord had commanded Moses. Mm. Okay. So in other words, so if you, if you think of it as, so if you ask what, what Joshua's true mission is, it's, it's what it's living according to the law of God, right? It's meditating on the law and and not turning from the right or to the left of all that God has commanded him to do. So essentially, to remain faithful to the Lord and what the and 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 uh, uh, living according to uh, to the Torah. Mm. And um, then when you get to chapter eleven, verse fifteen, okay, when when it, when this evaluation of Joshua's ministry thus far is given to us, it says that Joshua left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. And even without this little retranslation, you can kind of get the, the feel for what's going on here, right? Is that like, it depends on what we think that is meant by all that the Lord had commanded Moses. If we think that means go and just, you know, take ownership of the entire land from the Euphrates River to the River of Egypt, then yeah, of course there's going to be like, but but that's not what Joshua was commanded to do. Okay, Joshua was commanded to do as much of that, right? But as he can, but for him to be for for him to be uh, living pleasing to the Lord, right? Doing what God asked of him, it's it's him uh, basically living in obedience to God. 
and how much of that project gets done is kind of up for grabs. That's not, that remains to be seen. Sure. And so Very when, similar to the call that we have on our own lives today, right? As Christians. Exactly. Like going to all nations, <laughs> right? Like, so, okay. So if that's my mission as a Christian, <laughs> my passport better look pretty full, <laughs> right? Like how many, what, how many other countries have you been to Doug? Um, I've been to a lot. Hmm. Um, that's our new icebreaker. I'm changing the icebreaker. How <laughs> have you been to? Argentina, Guatemala, Colombia, Nicaragua, Canada, Zambia, Zimbabwe, and Kazakhstan. Nice. And like a bunch of other ones that I've just passed through, I think. Nice. I think that's all, man. Cool. So I'm far, far, I fall far short of the Great Commission. Yeah, ditto. I've been to quite a few, <laughs> mostly in and around Europe, but haven't quite made it over to uh, other continents yet. Yeah. So, but so your yeah, point, so, your point stands yeah. though, Doug, right? I, I mean, obviously, you know, Christians and you're asking this as well. So question number two says, what's the true goal of a true goal of a life lived in submission to Jesus? And how does that impact the way that we think about success, both in life, both in life and ministry, right? Hmm. So one of the things I'm unbelievably grateful for is that the Bible puts in clear, clear definition, what the goal of the Christian is, right? We have the same mission that Jesus has. And and Jesus tells us that specifically in Matthew 28, where he says, right, the great commission, where he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father, son, and Holy spirit, and teaching them all that I've commanded you. Right. And lo, I'm with you to the end of the age. That's Jesus's commission. That's, that's what we're here to do as a Christian. If you're ever walking around wondering, what, what should I be doing with my life? There you go. Go make disciples. You know, that's our call. That's what we should do. And in those things as well, you know, there's a reason again, you know, that we, our little catchphrase here at emergence is loving Jesus, loving people and plowing a counterculture. We do believe that if we observe the two greats, right. From the scripture, the great commandment and the great commission, right. The great commission we just said, and as well as the great commandment, which says, love uh, the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. If we do those two things, well, starting loving God well, loving others well, then we will see the mission Jesus has entrusted us uh, accomplished here in Northern New Jersey, which is a long way of saying uh, that's our goal. That's what we're, that's what we're here for. Now, pertaining to this conversation as well, Doug, too, like, you know, I'll, I'll rephrase it a little bit, right? So some questions that we might ask, I always like starting with some cultural questions, right? Like what does success look like today? Like how would our culture define success? And what do most people consider to be successful? Is that a moving target? Is that a fixed target? What about you? How do you personally define success? And knowing what God calls us to, first of all, what does God call us to? What does success look like for the Christian? And where are you in that journey? You know, are, are there any areas where you maybe have been defining success in a, in a poor way that you should change and, and pray through? Um, you know, there's always a little mini successors that we have in our life. You know what I mean? I just came from a martial arts gym, you know, 20 minutes ago. And for me, success at that moment looked like not tapping out to the big guy trying to choke me. You know what I mean? But realistically success for me is going to the gym and being a great, you know, steward of what God's entrusted me with as well. You know, I want to be able to compete well and be able to represent Jesus in that well and love others through that. You know, there's always, there's always another goal there. So and Spend you can, some time on that asking, you know, what does success look like for me and where God has me? Go ahead. Yeah. And, you know, um, an interesting uh, direction to take this is so uh, I think I think obviously a very interesting conversation is going to be um, 
what the world counts as success and what I count as success. And, and sometimes it's like, uh, you got to think of like, you know, obviously we, it's, it's, ever, it's easy for us to say that we want success along the terms of the kingdom of God, but what your life actually looks like mm. probably really identifies as to whether or not that's really the vision of success you're operating from. So that's an interesting question all in and of itself. But another one um, I purposely put in here uh, in ministry, what does success look like in ministry? And that I think is a bit of a trickier question, right? Because there is uh, the, when we, when we look at ministry and we say like, when have, when are we fulfilling the ministry? When are we doing a good job in ministry? Um, you know, reasonably, reasonably speaking, because there's always going to be places where we're failing and falling short. Is a, is, is a successful ministry one that's just constantly growing and constantly multiplying and up, 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 up. And there's just constant, amazing things going on. But if that's not happening, you know, if you're not in that season, then maybe then, then is, does it follow from that? Then you're, that you're not successful, quote unquote. Mm. Right. Like how does God define success? What does it mean to have a successful community group even? Mm. Is it got to be one of those ones where they're like, oh, we had to move it to a bigger place because our living room couldn't fit all the people. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Zoom doesn't have support for that many people. <laughs> yeah. I can, only, I can only record for 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, I stopped paying for Zoom, Doug. So we're, uh, we have oh, 45 gosh. minutes here. <laughs> we got to. <laughs> going to drop that kind of bomb on me mid podcast. <laughs> we record this on zoom. Um, yeah. So, so what, what, what does that look like? Or, or, or is it perhaps, you know, more, more personal holiness and growth and things like that. And, uh, and it's probably a mix between the two, right? We don't want to act, act as if like, you know, visible signs of, of health and growth and things like that. And, people enjoying themselves, you know, for doing, doing godly and good things is, are going to be bad things. Right. Um, certainly the new Testament does place some emphasis on, on growth. Luke likes to tell us that numbers were added to the early Christian church daily um, and things like that. But, um, but is that really is what is the proper balance, I guess, between that, between saying like, I'm doing what God wants me to be doing. I'm faithfully teaching his word and I'm, I'm faithfully, um, you know, showing up and loving people and things like that versus this is a crazy dynamic ministry that just everybody wants to be a part of because it's right. so exciting. Right. And in yeah. times of, in times of adversity as well, you know, you should, we should ask the same question. Like what is, what does success look like? Ministry success look like? through this season as well, you know, 2020, let's, let's define it that way. You know, there are a lot of folks upset right now because they may have accidentally defined the church's success as getting together in person every single Sunday. You know what I mean? But yep. throughout the course of this year, we've seen, we are very much still the church, whether or not we're virtual, whether or not we're in person or whether or not, you know, we just happen to run into each other at a cafe. You know what I mean? It's, you know, success for us is continuing to see the Great Commission go forward. And um, Cool. So two more questions here, Doug. You're going to point us to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. 
Um, do I have that in front of me? I don't. Do you have that? that in front yeah, of me? I do. That That's the passage. Probably don't have to read it in its entirety, but this is the passage about anxiety and worry and do not be anxious. Oh, uh, do not be anxious right? about yeah. what you will eat. Or, okay. Yeah. So um, don't be anxious about um, what you're going to drink, what you're going to eat. Um, and, and he uses some examples from nature there, the birds of the field. Um, don't I, love, be I love the verse in there too. It doesn't, this is the verse where Jesus says, uh, Oh, what is it? Who who among you can add a single hour to his life yeah. by worrying? Is that what it is? Yeah, that's uh, that's in uh, that's in verse twenty seven there. Mm. Yeah, talks about clothing and things like that. Um, and but, but two questions. Yeah, sorry, I was just going to say two questions that you gave us for this one, Doug. So number four, why is seeking first God's kingdom and righteousness mm-hmm. Jesus's answer to anxiety? And number five, does your own personal level of anxiety line up with what Jesus says in this passage? Why or why not? Hmm. So think about that. So, so think about the issue of anxiety, worry, concern about the future. Um, why do you think when, when Jesus is like, yeah, this is kind of like what I think when I think of as Jesus's answer to anxiety. So a lot of us have anxiety in life. We're worried about the future. We're concerned about the future. And Jesus's answer is like, don't be seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so like, why is that his answer to uh in what way i guess you could say is that an answer to anxiety mm. um because uh because the anxious person wants to keep asking those anxious questions <laughs> what <laughs> will i eat how will i pay my bills we, you know how how will i accomplish these goals i have or these things i want to see happen it's probably worth mentioning too just for the sake of clarity that you know th- be mindful of kind of how you talk about anxiety, especially if there's some folks in your group that legitimately have, you know, uh, struggle with anxiety in various ways. I you know I have a lot of really close friends that actually take different medications for anxiety and such like that. Yeah. You know, but in like in general, how we should understand this is that I, sh- I shouldn't be worrying about tomorrow. Like, oh, my gosh, what's going to what's going to happen if this candidate is is elected or what's going to happen if next year taxes go up or down or blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? It's like. God still got this, you know, we should ex- exercise our rights, you know, as, as free people to be able to vote and things, but we should walk as people whose greatest hope is in Christ, not in something lesser or temporal. Yeah, that that's, and that, and, and realize, so like the things that I should really be concerned in my life is like, am I growing in the Lord? Am I, you know, am I, am I serving? Am I serving other people? Am I, uh, do, does my, does my life reflect a love for Christ? Mm. Like uh, that, those are the, the, does it, does it reflect the love for my brothers and sisters and the Lord and things like that? You know, like those are the things that, that Jesus means when he's saying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And, mm. um, and yeah, so like, like, like if you make that your goal, it's kind of like, not only is that a cure for anxiety, but the, but you know, you have this assurance that the Lord is going to take care of you. And I, I know I can think of like those times when like I've been in say fi- very uh, dire financial hardship. Mm. And that is actually an awesome time to be drawing close to the Lord because you have this confidence that like um, God is giving, has given me exactly what he wants me to have. And if that means me going without, then 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 so be it because i get to be close to him because i'm close to him and the fact that i and i feel that more right yeah. because i have less 
things in my life to numb mm-hmm. my my perception of my closeness to God. Uh, when God is all you have, then then that is then that is a good place to be in because yeah. the, because he's all you have anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just that everything else is just it's in the way. Yeah. So it's funny yeah. that you say that though. Cause like I look back on my own life and I've had seasons of, you know, I've seen seasons of prosperity and success. I've seen seasons of hardship and, you know, kind of turmoil. And it's funny cause you look back on them. It's like the biggest growth seasons of my life were always in the hardest ones, you know what I mean? Or the darkest ones. And it's funny because I look back on them now and I'm unbelievably grateful for how God's worked in those, in those times. And, you know, often in ministry, you know, as I speak with folks, I find that it's, it's often the same. And so, you know, if that's you, if that's maybe somebody that's in your group, that's going through that season, it might seem, you know, counterintuitive, but be encouraged, you know, like these are the moments where God works, you know, or at least, as I've seen, you know, often where God's at the most work, you know, if that makes any sense. So Doug, I'm going to press this on into the second section here. You've titled this living as if, uh, I think you pulled that from Steve on Sunday, right? Yeah. He probably uttered that phrase somewhere in there. As if recall that, (laughs) recall that Joshua 13, one says that very much land remained to be taken very much land remained to be taken. And yet in these chapters, Joshua support, uh, apportions the land to each tribe as if they, as if they already possess all of it. This is similar to what Christians sometimes call the already or not yet assign different people to read the following pairs of verses, noting how the first of each speaks of something that God has already done. While the second often from the same book reminds us it has yet to be done fully. And then you give us the verses. So Romans 18, uh, I'm sorry, Romans 8, 15 and 23, Ephesians 1, 7, and Ephesians 4, 30, 1 Corinthians 6, 11, and 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, Ephesians 2, 5, and Romans 5, 9, Ephesians 2, 5 through 6, and 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 51 and 52. Good job. That's a mountain of verses, and this is a great place to get your wallflowers talking. <laughs> um, so that, and so just, um, so uh, just to kind of clue you in on, on as leaders, you might want to just get a pencil or something um, to write on your thing, uh, just what we're, what we're noting in these. So in the Roman first bat- batch, Romans 8, 15 and 8, 23, they're in the same chapter uh, that we're looking at the question of adoption. Uh, in the first verse, we already have the spirit of adoption, but in uh, verse 23, adoption is something we are awaiting. Okay. So mm-hmm. we're living, we have the spirit of this thing we're waiting to have happen to us. <laughs> um, Ephesians 1, 7, and if he, speaking of Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1 also speaks of adoption as if it's something that's already happened. But, and then, if, and then the second batch, Ephesians 1, 7 and 4, 30, we're looking there at redemption. Um, the set we've been redeemed, but we look forward to the day of redemption. Uh, and then in first Corinthians 6, 11 and first Thessalonians 5, 23, We've got sanctification. Um, we have been sanctified in Christ, um, but um, then there's this prayer that, that that He would sanctify us fully. Um, Ephesians two five and Romans five nine. Interestingly, salvation. So you have been saved, or and He will save us from the wrath of God. And then finally, this idea of resurrection. If you have been raised. Well, no, that's is a different. That's a different already resurrection. But uh, Ephesians 
two five speaks of, you know, you've been raised with him. And then first Corinthians 15, a lot of that chapter, but in these verses, you've got uh, us awaiting our physical resurrection. So just that kind of play on things. And that this idea that like, there's, there are, there are things that have already happened to us and yet we are still, uh, but, and we are, but they haven't happened to us fully yet. Mm. We have like, uh, like the, how the spirit is a down payment, you know, like we've yeah. got that it's it, D day has already happened. Um, and we are to live as if those things have already happened. So like, there's a lot of passages where Paul encourages us to live in as those who have been raised with mm. Christ. Right. Like, like, and, and there's a sense in which we have through baptism been raised Romans six, things mm-hmm. like that chapter uh, passages like that. But then of course we await our physical resurrection. Mm-hmm. I, I, I almost said true resurrection there though. Right. But, <laughs> that wouldn't be the case because truly we have been right. Like right. these things are already true of us and it's realizing that. And so realizing that these things are already true of us and, and living um, as, as if they are quote unquote, as if, <laughs> because they are, we've seen God doing this in our study so far of Joshua too. Right, Doug. I, I mean, like God talks in the past tense. See, I have given you the land. You know what I mean? Like, wait a second, we're about to go fight this battle. You know what I mean? Like God's uh, to me, I, like, I read all these things. It's like, God has been at work. He is at work. You know, he is working right now. And he's going to be working in the future as well. You know what I mean? Like God's, you know, he's faithful to fulfill all of his promises in the past, present, and future. So two great questions here. I love both these questions. How does living in light of the already, but not yet change the way a Christian lives? And number seven, what are the dangers of emphasizing only the already or only the not yet to the exclusion of the other? I think that's a great question. We really want to be careful on how we live this truth out, right? Because if we're only focused on the, you know, let's say the already, right? Then essentially we see this place as heaven. And so my definition of success, if you will, if I'm not careful, then becomes prosperity here on earth or this temporal place, you know, temporary things without the realization of what God's called us to. Everything like, needs to be going awesome. And if it's yeah. not, there's something wrong with your spirituality. Exactly. With Christ. And what a, what a terrible posture to minister to hurting people in. Yeah, exactly. Like if you have a poor diagnosis, it's, it's brutal. You know, if you, if you miss the reality of those things that our hope is not in the temporal is not right here, right now. It's in what, in the work that God is doing and that we look forward to. Um, Great question, Doug. I'm going to move us on to the third section here. Uh, You've titled it a confident faith. We'll look at two contrasting attitudes toward the work that's still left to be done, right? So we're going to take a look at Joshua 14 verses 6 through 15 and Joshua 17 verses 14 through 18. Um, you want to give us a quick summary of this, Doug, if you can? Yeah, sure. So in Joshua 14, uh, there on uh, those verses, we get uh, the passage where Caleb, um, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, is receiving his uh, inheritance. And, um, and, uh, his attitude towards areas that have not yet been taken. Okay. Which is basically, and, and Steve even noted his age, like he's, he's, he's an old dude now and he's like, all right, no problem. Let's do it. Very much reflecting his attitude that he had back in numbers when he, he and Joshua returned back 
from the land and were not intimidated because they knew that the Lord was on their side. Mm. And then in Joshua 17 passage, you get um, you get the um, the uh, sons of Joseph tribes. <clears throat> so that would be Western Manasseh and Ephraim. Mm. And um, pro tip, Joshua is from the tribe of Ephraim, and most of the northern kings ended up being from that tribe as well. Okay. But um, but the so these guys are kind of like head honcho tribes, uh, right? They're the sons of Joseph, mm. and uh, they're I don't want to say like they're seriously morally rebuked in this passage or anything, but their attitude definitely stands in stark contrast, right? Because they're like, what are we going to do about these guys with the iron and the woods? There's woods. We need more land. And Joshua's like, stop being babies. (laughs) That's easy for me to say, right? Like I cleared a lot of woods from my house and fought out a lot of inhabitants to to get here. (laughs) I I pretty much went on Zillow, but, um, (laughs) but at any rate, so remains to be seen, which, which one I am, uh, but there's there's obviously like a contrast there, okay? And you see in um, ver- uh, question eight where I ask, like, why do you think, notice there in, in this passage, every pretty much a lot of times that Caleb is mentioned, he's called the Kenizzite. Okay. Okay. And what's the significance of constantly being reminded of that? Because this is not the only time he's called the, a Kenizzite. Um and the significance is, is that if you go back to Genesis 15, which is this key, that's the passage. Um, by the way, we should all know what happens in Genesis 15. That's the establishment of the covenant with Abraham. And there at the end, you get one of these lists of the people who inhabit the land of Canaan that Israel will one day possess. Mm. And uh, it is the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, um, the Canaanites, the Gergesites, and the Jebusites, all these ites. Okay. And uh, so, so basically the point, the, the salient point is that the text feels compelled, or the authors feel compelled to constantly remind us that Joshua is not an inhabitant of, like, he's not a descendant of Abraham. He's an Israelite. He's in the tribe of Judah, but he's at least got a good deal of Kenizzite blood running through his veins. And so here you have this outsider and the idea is that you have an outsider, a person who's not, um, whom you wouldn't expect um, being basically an example of faith for everyone. Interestingly, also his name in Hebrew means dog. Okay. Kelev is a dog. So that is also unflattering, but he's this, you know, super, you know, inspiring figure. Gotcha. Yeah. So, Doug, let me ask you something. Not that I, you know, I don't want to go too far on this point, but so you said he's from, he's from one of Joseph's sons, right? From Ephraim. N- no, but Joshua is from Ephraim. Oh, Joshua is. Yeah. But mm-hmm. he's in the tribe of Judah? No, Caleb is in the tribe of Judah. Oh, oh okay. Mm-hmm. Got you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. So uh, two questions. Not confusing at all. You answered no. Well, I, I, I heard you wrong. <laughs> so, question nine: What way does the text model Caleb's faithfulness to God, calling in his life? Number ten: How did the people of Ephraim and Manasseh stand in contrast to Caleb's example from chapter fourteen? Do uh, you want to answer those two real quick, Doug? Sure. So, in, I don't know uh, the answer. Yeah. So, in chapter fourteen, uh, okay, you've got like um, a bunch of interesting stuff talking about like bas- basically like Caleb's heart is where an Israelite's heart should be. So uh, obviously he was very, um, uh, it notes 
the the what happened at Kadesh Barnea. Okay, in verse six, there you know what the Lord did uh, or, or said to Moses uh, when we were there, and what happened there. That's when the the spies brought back the negative report, and Caleb, so we're reminded of the confidence that he had then. And by the way, him and Joshua are the only two people of that generation who are allowed to enter the land because of that. Um, and uh, and uh, he also regards his fellow Israelites as his brothers. I would point that out, right? Like mm-hmm. he realizes, hey, I I'm I love the Lord and I am part of His people because of it. Um, uh, I wholly followed the Lord my God. There again, we have the same kind of idea that we had at the beginning of the study, where what what counts as true success. Um, and then uh, he he's confident that the land is his. Moses swore on that day, saying, "Surely the land on which your foot is trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you've wholly followed the Lord your God. Um, the Lord has kept me alive." Right, he his very life, his his history, the fact that he's standing and breathing today, he's he's acknowledging the Lord has done that. He's preserved me. Um, I'm 85 now, and I'm still strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. Um, the the notice an 85 year old man, dude, and you could probably think like everyone reading this think knows, you know, the 85 year old man who's like I could do it myself. You know, and you're like, <laughs> all right, well, but. <laughs> But he's still got his heart is still, you know, pumping red blood, we might say, sure. you know, so all these things and you could go down and just, you know, all these all these um, I, I won't bore us by just, you know, picking everything else out. But all these things were were, were just reminded, like, what a model for faith and faith, faithfulness um, Caleb is. So that's what I those are the things that I would look through that text for. I like questions like that. Because it gets everyone looking at their Bibles and finding stuff and explaining. Yeah. What's you also pin us if I, if you haven't done the reading, which I have not yet. <laughs> so I'm going to catch up on my reading before I leave my group tonight. There you go. Um, good call out though. And then, um, yeah. Go ahead. And, and well, I mean, keep in mind as a small group leader, you don't have to be like the answer person, you know, just get everybody looking at their Bibles during these questions. Right, right, right. You and don't then, have to have the answer to all the questions, but at the same time, you know, know what you're talking about. Don't yeah. Wait. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I am on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Um, cool. So two more questions for this, uh, for this section here. Number 11, what things in our own day represent the work left to be done for the church? Very open-ended question. And I, I look forward to the diversity of answers to that. Love that. First one off the top of my head is there are still people that don't know Jesus. We have more work to do. Yeah. Number 12, what are some ways that we can model faith of Caleb, the faith of Caleb and our attitudes to the work left to be done? Love that question too. Again, you'll have some diverse answers. Last section here called he will lead you home. Doug, you're pointing us to something that Steve noted uh, in the sermon this week, where he said um, that these chapters present to us the fulfillment of the promises made to Abraham approximately 700 years earlier, right? Uh, For example, Genesis 15 verses 17 to 21 as such, they would have been tremendously important for the ancient Israelites. What should excite us about the inheritance that we have in Christ? Cool. I like this question. <laughs> Go read the first three chapters of Ephesians. There's a lot. But, we yeah, another another pretty open-ended question there for you. But yeah, yeah you know, we want to end on a high note there. And yeah. uh, I just realized that the heading of this section sounds like, like a Michael Card song. 
Um, I don't know who Michael Carter is. <laughs> well, Michael I think Carter. I'm dating myself now. <laughs> He's a very good Christian uh, so- singer songwriter, a uh, little old school, but uh, gotcha. yeah. But did you see the last episode of Mandalorian, Doug? I did. Yeah, I think it's getting better. Oh, it's getting Dave Filoni is a mastermind, dude. He's pulling together all of the work from all the movies. We're going to have to talk about this uh, off podcast. It's funny. We have some leaders that are just like, I wish you guys would talk about that more on the podcast. (laughs) uh, And then there are others who are like, please don't talk about that on the podcast. Yeah, we are poorly defining success with all of the I've been very disappointed in this series, actually. I'm (laughs) probably a minority viewpoint there. What, in in the second season? And the first, but I... Are uh, you kidding me, Doug? I mean, I'm not going to get into this here. We could maybe do a separate podcast episode to talk about this, but I've been pleasantly surprised over the last, say, two episodes, I think. Hmm. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I have to apologize. I unfortunately had to kick Doug out of the podcast uh, for his blatant heresy, not regarding scripture, of course, but regarding very good TV shows <laughs> that he's completely overlooked. Doug's getting so... He, D- Doug doesn't realize he's muted right now. <laughs> I muted you, buddy. I could I could talk about you all day long. <laughs> Go. All right, I'll unmute you, Doug. Sorry. Um, anyway, let's finish this up. So last thing, we're going to jump into John 14, verses 1 through 7. Last question for us here. How can what Jesus says here sustain you personally in your daily walk with him? Obviously, in order to understand that, you're going to need to read John 14. So I will turn there really quick. John 14 verses one through seven say, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. Is this the right verse? Doug? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, and if, uh, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Awesome. Cool verse. Love it. And honestly, that should encourage us as well. Like Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us, right? And now we get to carry on that mission. And that's what we get to look forward to. Yeah. And it's just like, again, like, and the idea here is like this inheritance, right? You think back to what Abraham 700 years earlier, if you go with a late date for the Exodus, which I do, but, um, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, no idea what this is going to look like. And now here we're witnessing the fulfillment of it. And in case we're wondering, yes, this is put, um, like made into kind of like a model for the Christian life. Read the book of Hebrews, right? Where it talks about those who fell in the, in the wilderness and went into the land to enter into God's rest. And then arguing, and then the argument, of course, that there remains yet another rest for the people of God. Um, that this is a pattern, like there's some, there's something that we should be getting from this. We should be looking at it like this. And I see here, like here, this is like Jesus is one of the many places where he kind of tells us what awaits him. And I love how it's like, I don't, I have no idea what this looks like, but holy cow, do I want that, right? That where, like what he says here, right? I'm going to prepare a place for you and I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you will be also. This is the son of God. This is the second person of the Trinity talking. Mm. 
right? Like what, what, what no eye has seen nor ear has heard, right? What God has prepared for those uh, who love, love him. him. Yeah. Um, like, like that, that is sick. That is an amazing, mm-hmm. an amazing promise right there. Right. That, that where I am, you will be. Um, love so it. what difference does that make in your life? If it doesn't, then you gotta check yourself for a pulse. Yeah, man. Um, like when we talk about heaven too, like, I, I feel like the, the word heaven in our language has gotten so, you know, boiled down in so many ways. And, you know, we think of heaven and a lot of times the first image that pops up in our mind or, you know, I don't know, white marble streets or gold streets or something like that. And it's like, whatever heaven looks like for you, you know, is Jesus there? <laughs> because heaven is wherever Jesus is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's our hope. It isn't to have some great grand nirvana without Jesus. <laughs> you know, like, Jesus is the hope. He's the way, he's the truth. He's life. He's what we're looking for. And I remember when I was younger, when I first came to Christ, somebody asked me that it was just like, you know, is heaven really heaven without Jesus in it? And like, that was the first time where I really thought about that. Like early on in my, in my Christian walk, I was just like, of course, like he's the hope. I want where I want what he wants. I want to go wherever he is. And, uh, you know, that's one thing to kind of pray about, uh, an, an interesting, an interesting thing, you know, an interesting way that it's phrased in the Bible in, uh, Romans eight, right. Mm -hmm. Um, in verse 17, it says that if we are his children again, by adoption, then, then we are heirs because children get to be heirs, right? Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Like God himself is your inheritance. And that's like, you know, the, I think the reason why, as you say, the streets are said to be paved with gold is because that's what you walk on. That's what you, what are streets in the ancient world? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's, yeah. you spit there. Like who gives that's a, where the horses crap, you know? who cares what, like, yeah, that's yeah. what the, yeah. Yeah. There's like, like who cares what you, you need to wash your feet after that's, right goal you know that's how much we care about earthly riches there because of how much greater the presence of god is and that's what's mm-hmm. exciting uh, uh you know that he will be there as their god and we will be there as his people mm-hmm. and so for god himself is our hope um god is the being to use a old school phrase then which nothing greater can be conceived mm-hmm. and that and 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 that being whom we cannot even begin to imagine what he is like, like he, that is he, there's nothing greater than him. There's nothing greater that we can have or that we can gain than God himself. And that indeed is our destiny. If we are in Christ. Awesome. So pray, pray that the Lord would give us all a rich understanding and a deeper thirst for that inheritance that we have in Christ, that inheritance of Christ, uh, number two, pray for contentment in following God's commands for your own life and that he'd help you see uh, that as the standard for success, all while trusting in his grace for forgiveness when you fall short. Awesome guide prepared for this week. Thank you, Doug, for doing all this work for us this week. And uh, guys, thank you so much for continuing to lead week in and week out. We know it has been a crazy season. Please don't hesitate to reach out to us. If there's anything we can do to help you even just think through how you're leading your group this week, if there's any kind of issues that pop up, we're here to help however we can. And thanks for tuning in each week. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Happy Thanksgiving, you guys. Bye-bye.